You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, Alex. Hey. Hey, Nick. Listen, man. Yeah. I I don't have jokes anymore, and I'll tell you what, I'm just fucking tired. <laughs> like you dry? I'm so dry and I'm just like <laughs> like we're we're in the middle of it. We're in the middle of it. Last episode we recorded was going into twenty twenty one and this episode is after the goddamn insurrection at the Capitol. All this nonsense about about oh by twenty twenty, like nope. time for twenty twenty one to be better, and then boom. Boom. Yeah. Uh, boom. Mutiny on the SS America. On the SS Minnow America. It's insane. But you know, you know, you know, Biden did come out with his uh, his economic plan and that that smells delicious. Uh, mm-hmm. So excited about that. But like also just. Just processing, man, just processing the uh, it's processing. I got something for you to process. What's up? Uh, they announced today that they are getting rid of the Disneyland annual pass. Yeah. You who just moved to the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Getting ready for all that Disney magic to come back. Yep. Uh getting to sign up for that, you know, go anytime yep. that you want. Yeah. And now nope. Sorry. Well, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. I'm moving back. Little Justice. Little Justice. Little Justice. <laughs> Which is funny because I, I am, I am, I am leaving. because you actually are. I'm actually leaving. That's <laughs> Good, it. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> so you you've been out here. When when did you move out here? I moved out here, like I don't even remember, like September, and I'm gone, and I'm already gone. Yeah, but you know that's why September, we October, like so like six months almost. Yeah, uh, I have not seen you once. No, you haven't seen you me once at all, at all. But 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 now I'm gone. So. What a crazy world. Best friend moves two hours away. Yeah. Haven't seen him in forever. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, he's here. We're going to hang out all the time. Now I get COVID is a factor. I understand. COVID is uh, a major, but, a major know, factor. <laughs> if you care, I, if you cared, you would have made the effort. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, man. You know what I do care about? What's my, that? My asthma. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Is the West Coast not... Good. No, it's oh, I, oh, I found my edit point way back there. Oh, you found oh, it. We're, oh, we're just, yeah, we just cruise right rambling on. Now. We're just we're rambling. rambling now. I love it. I love it. No, it's my asthma in relation to COVID, dude. I can't risk it. That was, that was, uh, however, however, as I am a professor, I just found this out. I get my shot now. You I, get a shot for being a professor? For being for right now. Because right now they're doing teachers. The, wor- the world can't operate without drama professors i got an email that said show that go, go to any our dramatists go to any site and show your nyu id and you will be getting a really yes sir interesting are you gonna do that i am i am i'm very excited to are do you that. worried about the microchips yeah dude but you know i figure i got too many i got so many in there anyway there's, yeah there's so right. many microchips in me anyway uh, These assholes going around talking about, oh, I'm not going to take the vaccine because it, it's got this and that, and they're going to track me, dude. They want <laughs> with their cell phones in their pockets exactly. and their, you know, every device connected, and their Google Home listening to them, and like, like, I'm not going to get a, a life saving vaccine. If they wanted to track you, they would have tracked you over. Like they're oh tracking you already. Right. And now. Here's, here's the reality: nobody wants to know where you are anyway. Nobody cares. Nobody. Literally, cares. nobody cares. 
Dude. The only time they'd ever care is if they needed to find you for law enforcement related purposes, which exactly. thank God now they are finding everybody for law enforcement related purposes. Because oh. if you brought your cell phone to the Capitol for your little insurrection party, uh, they know who you are and, and that you were there. You're going down. It was, it's the capital of the United dude. States. Of course, the Wi-Fi is good. There's that's some serious triangulation going on in there. That's what's stunning to me is like, truly, what did you think was going to happen? What did you think was going to happen? What was this? Was this truly like, oh yeah, we're going to show up to the Capitol and we're like, and, and clear, you know, now we know that a lot of their plan was to do, do harm to people. Do you know what I mean? So we're going to show up to the Capitol. We're going to do harm to people. And then the Republicans are just going to take over. Like, that's it. Like, that's what you think happens is you just can't they'll go in. They'll overturn the election. They'll say, oh, you, you know what? You're right. Based on these actions. Here you go. Here's yeah. the. Here's the, no. Like, no, that's not how that works. That's not how that works. Excuse, you know, they got caught up in the moment. Oh so what are you going to do? They you can, know, this, uh, womp, womp. they can get caught Dude. up in this dick. That's what they can do. Oh man. It's, it's been a real pleasure oh. watching all these videos over the last week come out of people, uh, finding out in the, in the airport oh, that yeah, they're the on the fly yep. list. Oh, it's beautiful. They can't fly. They can't fly. Um, Gotta fly, it's gotta grow. Consequences of their of their actions, and it's so wonderful. And why? And and all the text messages and things from people just like turning family in left and right, like, like yeah, you just tried to storm the Capitol. Yes, you're a disgrace. I'm gonna a let the FBI know where you are. Disgrace, a true disgrace. And 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 I think that you know it, it, what it comes down to for me is this: anytime that your party or your 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 you know, political belief come down to one person, right? Mm -hmm. Literally a cult of personalities running one man or the idea that you have a bigger stick than they do. That is always going to fail. And I, mm -hmm. I just, let's just say that as a rule, bigger stick, cult of personality mentality is always going to fail. Why? Because somebody else, A, will have a bigger stick than you and B, people die. Do you know what I mean? Right. So you you cannot sustain on that. What what and even yeah, pe people love to make the the Nazi comparison, which you know is apt in a lot of ways. But yes. one of the things that doesn't line up is is it, they were not flying Hitler flags. They no, were not. It was no. it was not. We love Hitler and want to keep Hitler in power forever. This was an ideology. There were there were actual. <laughs> you know, points to be made in this ideology about what was important to, to that party. It was a full political idea. This is people literally with Trump flags, flying Confederate flags through the, through the United States Capitol. Are you fucking kidding me? Like the messages are so mixed. There's, there's no floor to stand on. There's no foundation to the message. There's no, no at all. It's, no it's, it's literally just Trump and, and at the end, and that's Trump. The angry people who are on Facebook too much. That's, that's what this is. No, and, 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 and again, and I think it's so sad because we talked about this before this, before we recorded, I think what's so sad is these people truly are asking for a lot of things that a lot of people are asking for, right? right? The, the actual asks are not that different from, from yeah. the average American, but, but again, you are believing that this one man can or cares enough to give them to you and, <laughs> and that, and you are believing it after everything that he has done to show you. That he will not give them to you. He, he will not. He yeah. Won't. I. I. Did you hear about the bathroom thing? No. What's the bathroom thing? Okay. So it just came out. Uh, about a hundred thousand dollars of taxpayer money has gone to rent an apartment near Jared and Ivanka's house because they would not let the Secret Service use one of their six and a half bathrooms in their house. You're in lying. Washington. You're lying to me. They, no, it gets better. It gets better. So they wouldn't let the Secret Service use any of the bathrooms. They have a half bath in there, right? There's not even like, you know, uh, protecting their family, their kids, all this stuff. They made them use a porta potty outside. They got a porta potty on taxpayer dime. Uh, the neighbors complained about there being a porta potty outside, so they got rid of it. Temporarily, the Secret Service were using Obama's garage bathroom down the street. I they literally went to Obama's house to use the bathroom and there's just something about that imagery oh my God. that is so depressing and wonderful that, oh, that's <laughs> literally America let me tell it's you America that is America send it down oh to Obama's house God. the oh my God Obama will give you a bathroom if Obama you need it. will in fact like, give you a bathroom and then the taxpayer will pay to, to fix the problem it's I, like 
I can't, I, I mean, I think that we're going to hear so yeah, much shit. <laughs> you can't. And I think we're going to hear so much shit coming out in the next couple of days um, about that, that, you know, that is a, akin to this, just shit that they were doing in while in power. That is just so ridiculously inexcusably uh, negligent and, and irresponsible that, you know, some of it, some of it funny, like this shit, some of it just straight up criminal. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. And well, the, the thing is, they've been doing it kind of out in the open the whole time anyway. So the, the question is, what consequences are there, if yeah. any? You know, I know there's a million investigate. It's hard now. Every day you read someone is launching a new investigation into something. And, that you know, even even the second impeachment felt a little neutered because it's like, what is it really what's really happening? Right. Yeah. Are we just moving through motions to show that we're doing something like well, I think I think there's two things. I think you do have to. I think you, as much as it might be moving through the motions, you do have to set the precedent, right? We need to we need to know that this shit isn't okay, and that even even for somebody who you know, I think uh, uh, Legal Eagle, the YouTube channel, um, if you follow it, the guy was talking, uh, the 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 host of that channel was talking about something that I really loved, which was like, yeah, when they get into court, the defense lawyer is basically going to go through Trump's rhetoric word by word. And the problem with Trump's rhetoric is it's ambiguous enough that you can't exactly pin, like he's not, mm. he's not saying go be racist and storm the Capitol, right? Like he right. didn't say that. So you can get off on technicality, but, but the, the host point was like, yes. However, if this, if we don't draw the line here, then we can't draw the line anywhere. And that's why I think the, the impeachment is important. And quite frankly, also, let's make sure this motherfucker can't ever run again, ever. Like, we, yes. need, we need Trump out. Like, Trump... Yes, Trump they, they, need to, they need to convict him, right, yeah. for, that to, for yes. that to be possible. They need to... Well, they need, yeah, he just need, he needs to be convicted and he needs to be barred from... Um, it's, it's, I think it's... Yes, it, 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 I think it does come automatically with conviction. And somebody correct us if we're wrong on that. But... Um, but yeah, that's what, here we are wrapped into politics again. It's impossible not to. No, it, it's, it's it's really impossible. It's it's where we're at in this, you know. And I think, I mean, I think this is actually uh, not to. I'm sure you have a segue plan, but I think yeah, you. Well, I was going to say, I think not even in terms of a punny segue, but I think that it is kind of the segue that I I, I think is so good. Um, why our topic is what it is this week, um, because this week our first our first show of 2021, y'all. Um, well, not really, because we actually had a 2021 episode. Yeah, the first show, first show that we're recording in 2021. Regular show, yeah. Uh, we uh, we chose ghost stories, and I love that we chose ghost stories because I think that that topic, when put into the context of America, I think that America is a country that is in so many ways learning how to deal with its ghosts and learning how to. Yeah, how to live with it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting if you think about American narrative, right? Because America is a young country, two hundred years, yep, and that's it. It, it, the The same way that that jazz was born in America, (laughs) or American as apple pie, whatever you want to say, in terms of storytelling, Americana, like Southern Gothic, is Americana. Like that is the American story, right? Like even though we've only been here two hundred years, the ghosts of our past are with us always. Always, you know, from from the Civil War. Like like, for some reason, America is very attached to the ghost story, uh, and like to think that we are still because we are, uh, you know, running from ourselves. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I think I think that's that's the exactly the point, right? Is that we we are running from ourselves and there are things that haunt us and and so it's it's very unsurprising um because because i think if there's one thing that unites us all we as a people as a culture as an american culture are united by that idea of suppression like we mm. that's i think how we cope as a country is we we be, and 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 granted look we i truly do and i've said this on this podcast before i really do believe that america is the greatest country in the world i really do think that i think that we have the amount of the amount of choice and freedom, the the beauty of the Constitution as a document, as a as a ruling document, I think we have so many things that are amazing here, but we have not figured out how to hold space for both that and the things that are wrong and the things that are pained, and until we do, there will always be ghosts. And so, I, I it does not surprise me that that America as a country of of filmmakers. Um, that our film that our, our our cinema has produced so many ghost stories um yeah because that's who, yeah that's who we are man and horror in general i mean usually uh, when somebody wants to probe into you know the the heart of 
of something, they go to yes. horror, right? It's oh, like a yeah. very astute way to to attack social anxieties. Um, I think Jordan Peele, I, we talked about him. Was that last week? Yes, we talked with us, us. with us, yeah. Yeah, is sort of one of the more recent examples of it. But I mean, it all the way back to, through the history of film, this has oh, been dude. there with using horror as a way to, to cope with, with what we're feeling. Well, what was the first, I mean, what was one of the first horror movies but Birth of a Nation? Truly. Like, think about that. Depends who you ask, I guess. <laughs> yeah, don't don't ask don't ask the insurrectionists. They they. Oh, yeah. I went I went through because I I maybe I'd watched it in film school and, and completely forgotten, but I went and and scrolled through it a couple months ago yeah. just to just to be like, what is that? I was watching something else related to it. Yeah. Um, the Shangri Lost Lost Horizon, I think. Sure. Uh, and it got me looking into Birth of a Nation. Um, really racist <laughs> really, you know, alex in fact really I, I, like indicative of of a time in a startling I'm gonna, way yeah i'm gonna go ahead and say that uh the birth of a nation racist film <laughs> it, a slightly racist film slightly um, racist in 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 an almost comical way now uh yeah. well i mean you know. but, but not even because it i mean that film and you know again somebody correct me on my history but i'm pretty sure that film was you know, um, definitely one of the films that inspired the reinvigoration of the Ku Klux Klan. Um, so, like, it, oh, absolutely, you can draw, and it, but but it also gave birth to Hollywood. Yes, like it, 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 like this is it's so American. It's, it's so American that that like something like that, and 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 the detractor, you know, the detractors are still like there's like a middle ground that people had to meet on. It's like a like a yes, but maybe we should all try to get along anyway. Like, look at the good stuff that came out of it too. It's so insane, um, and, and, which is insane. <laughs> and I'm looking at this. I'm, I just I just looked it up on Wikipedia just now. And I'm looking at this poster, y'all. If you had a chance, look at the poster for Birth of a Nation because it's literally a clan member looking like a knight of the Round Table. Like it is literally a clan member on horseback, like riding to save the day. And that's what so much of this movie is. Is you know, if, for those of you who have never seen Birth of a Nation, Birth of a Nation. Um, uh, you know, I'm reading this now. 1915 American silent drama film. Um, that uh, is a landmark of film history because it was the first 12 real film ever made. Um, and it, it, it depicts the, the saving of a white woman by a, you know, a, a dumb, sexually aggressive black man who was really played by a white actor in blackface and the, Klu- and the Ku Klux Klan comes and saves her and saves the day. And it, it, I mean, it is truly a distillment of everything that we're facing right now. It is like that yeah. you can find everything in this movie. Um, yep. You know, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah, fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. But I wouldn't consider it a horror movie except uh, from this perspective, maybe. Fair, fair. Um, but there were, I'm trying to think from that era, you get a lot of, of you know, there's like Nosferatu, yeah. um, Frankenstein, and, and all the, you know, the kind of stories that that people knew cabinet of dr caligari yep. kind of more you know stylish experimental uh horror well and and horror i think at that point you're dealing with what you're dealing with horror because all these you know all these stories you know uh dracula and and frankenstein all come from an era where we are starting to question god and we are starting to question you know our 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 um our our kind of morals as a culture so mm-hmm. all these characters that you're describing are characters who very much go against that more that victorian moral structure um, right you know and people who are trying well, they're, they're deformities of it they're monstrosities they're mo- exactly to, to, to the normal order so so if if an outright monster is that right is a is a mutation of of society yeah something that stands outside of it uh what is a ghost I, th- I mean, I love a ghost because I think a ghost is trauma. I think a ghost yeah. is, and, and I, and that's, that's going back to sixth sense rules, right? That's the, you know, they're here because they, uh, they, they have some, un, you know, there's some unfinished business. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's that it's, it's those, those things that we can't let go of, right? Those things. I mean, I think, you know, and I, I hope I'm not taking your movie away by, by talking about sixth sense right now. Am I, did you choose that? I did not, I but mean, uh, good. Oh, man. I good. wish that I did. It's such a good fucking movie. I mean, it's so oh beautiful. God. It is. So <laughs> it is so good. And and I I was recently reading that that script and um. Oh, the script is is pitch it's perfect. Perfect. It is literally perfect. Yeah. a perfect P 
piece of it literature. really it really is like M Night Shyamalan started at the top and rolled downhill, and rolled like, to the fuck downhill to After Earth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it, it is such a it's such an amazing and and even in that first setup. And I'm sorry if anybody hasn't seen this, so you know, spoiler alert. But the first scene um, is is you know our hero getting shot by one of his former patients. That sets up the very idea of unresolved business. Right, mm-hmm. these people who come back to haunt you because they are not resolved, and and that's what a, I think that's what always what a good ghost story is of people who their stories just weren't finished, and that is what right. what trauma is. Yeah, and know? it's it's interesting the way it can be portrayed, right? Because whether it's it's a malicious ghost whether it's somebody you know like like the ring or something where where this ghost is here to kill you and there's a very kind of intentional evil about it yeah or it's a more casual ghost it's just like the spirit of somebody who's there yeah um, i think the, you know the best ghost stories kind of do both yes um, but it, it is always it is always about that kind of unfinished business right it's always about uh, uh you know somebody's life energy somebody is is doing something stands for something is carrying some kind of emotional capacity yeah and and then when they die there's an incompleteness to it that like there's like it's almost like a universal thing it's like a like a you can't finish your job in this universe why where you started uh until something happens until some kind of thing is complete yes uh so it's a, a beautiful concept it really and that and i think that's why ghost stories have the you know when, once you get away from the you know, uh, the par- you know, and not not the paranormal activity is not a beautiful movie because we've actually discussed paranormal activity in this in this podcast. Not not a beautiful movie. I I mean, but but a well, you, you would say it's a well made movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't call it. I wouldn't call it like any kind of poetic. No, it's not. Uh, I don't think that they're even what like the Blair Witch. Okay, poetic, poetic. Same style of thing, same whatever. But there's an actual. Uh, ethos not ethos but there's a character to to the ghost there's there's whatever you're looking at paranormal activity is i don't think and maybe it's been a long time since i've seen it but i don't think that there's really a story behind why the ghosts are there doing what they're doing is there no i don't i don't i don't remember it being this such um but i think but my, my point in bringing it up was to say that you know like with you know it doesn't have to be this but i think that a ghost story has probably the most room to have a an underlying you know deep intellectual emotional mm. core um because it it it's at the very base i think it's just about something so human like there is a world and i i did not choose this cause a because i already chose it but b because it's not a, a ghost story us right us what i chose last week there is a world in which I do consider us a kind of ghost story. It's not it's not by any means those are not ghosts, but the idea of a home invasion movie is a kind of ghost story, right? Like yeah. even even funny games has elements of that they share elements with a ghost story because it all it is about these people interrupting your life and and bringing your attention to something that you missed. Right. right in in you know in in funny games it's it's a kind of about the safety that these that this family feels right you took they took their safety for granted and and now we're gonna have fun commenting on the fact that like we enjoy watching people safety broken for fun um and then mm-hmm. in us it's very much you know it's a whole other thing but I think that that is an element of the ghost story of your world being expanded by force by by something that you yeah. tried to move forward with. It's a conference, a confrontation of the, of the other, like, and it's an other that, that is present with you, right? It's yes. about something being in your space that you're unaware of suddenly rearing its head. So it can get translated metaphorically into so many different things. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 I love it. Uh, I, I, I know I've, I've talked about it before. I think maybe on our first town hall, yeah. I brought it up. Um, one of the best ghost stories uh, on on film of the last decade, maybe longer, is, is Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second season, not as good. Haunting of Bly we Manor, tried, still great. We tried not as Bly good. Manor. Yeah, we sweep the stop at Bly Manor because it wasn't as not good. as cohesive. Yeah, but I mean, I've been through Haunting of Hill House twice, and it's just like it holds up in terms of how they shoot it, the the mood that they present. Right, it somehow retains its horror all yep. the way through. 
you're never comfortable watching it. Usually like a horror, after a while you get used to the scares, you get you kind of comfortable in your space to engage with it. Um, all the way to the end, they keep it scary, but they also keep it very, very uh, human and organic. That. And they dig into the character. It's like the 10 episodes or seven episodes, however long it is, is just long enough to get to know these characters and eat, like each one of the siblings and the parents and figure out, you know, who they are and why this is all happening. And, and it affects them all differently. And like it, it, it plot wise, it all kind of comes full circle. What you see in the first episode and the last, like it's just a, it's a really beautiful way to use a classic story. Cause it's, it's based on the haunting of Hill house by what's her name. Oh yeah. Uh, the, I mean, yeah an old book yeah we gotta look it up not virginia wolf um, no it's not. i wish it was virginia, virginia wolf. Wolf. Uh, virginia let's see let's see who's gonna Why find it first virginia. we're gonna find it first oh, i'm not find... even looking i'm just letting you do it oh uh let's see shirley jackson shirley jackson i don't know where virginia was coming from shirley jackson yeah um because, because like it's also a very very ghost movies are, are very very overdone Yes. It's an easy thing, right? It's like, oh, I'm in my safe house with my family. It's always like moving into a new house yep. uh, that's big and creepy looking. Um, and then things start to happen and, and it goes downhill from there. It's been done over and over and over and over. So when they when you can find something new to bring to it, when you can find a new human element to explore, it's exciting. I agree. I agree. And I'm actually, I'm glad that you chose Haunting of Hill House because that is a direct tie-in to my, to my choice. Let's do it. Direct giant. All right, man. So ghost stories. Uh, my, I'm going to preface this. I don't think this is the best ghost story. I don't even think it's my favorite ghost story, but it is a ghost story that is in my head right now that I have watched several times over the course of this quarantine. Um, and hmm. that I am truly, I, I really think is a powerful ghost story. Um, you didn't pick Haunted Mansion, did you? I did not pick Haunted Mansion. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, Eddie Murphy... God love him, but no, no, no. That movie was scary bad. Scary bad. And uh, little little, little, uh, little insider information, the chairs around the dining table in Haunted Mansion are featured now in what Disneyland ride, sir? The chairs? Around the chairs around the dining table in Haunted Mansion. I, I assume the answer is not Haunted Mansion? It is not Haunted Mansion. Pirates? They it sickle in pirates? pirates. It is the, they it is the chairs the, from the movie from into the movie pirates? Are now are it is now the chair that J uh, Jack Sparrow sits in at the end of the ride. No shit. In pirates, yes sir, yes sir. Nice, tr nice trivia. Thank you. Glad you won't see it again for a long time. I know until I get my vaccine there. It's gonna be great. <laughs> uh, insider joke. Uh, anyway, so this movie starts in the seventies, but we don't know that when the movie opens. It opens from above on a canopy of green trees and goes slowly, slowly, slowly pushing in uh, a young girl at a camper with her parents playing around. And uh, she wanders off. The mother tells her not to go too far as mothers do. She wanders off to a body of water, sees a woman sitting on a rock with a big old magician's hat. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Interesting. Buddy. Interesting choice. Oh, I am obsessed. I've never. The, okay. Well, so the the film is Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep. Well, hi there. You want to let me go? No, no, sweetie. No, I don't. Doctor Sleep. So I never got through it. Really? I think I've seen half of it. I don't really. Know. I saw a huge, huge Mike Flanagan. Flanagan fan. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Oh, and Mike Flanagan fan. Yeah. So my, so I, I watched have it because I had watched Haunting of Hill House, yeah. and I thought, oh my god, I want. And I went back and I watched Oculus. Yeah. Um. And and his his uh debut feature, which was I forget what the name even is, but it was was it really Ouija, really Ouija or whatever. No, it wasn't Ouija. He got Ouija off of this other one. It was like an indie feature they shot in L.A. Gotcha. In some weird house, um, about like a, a dude who lives in like a guy disappears, um, basically like into hell, like through this tunnel. There's like a tunnel, oh, wow. um, near this house, uh, and this person disappears, and nobody knows this woman's husband, 
um and like she, at her recovering from it she starts getting exposed to this it's it's cool it's very low budget but it's it's good um but dr sleep like i'm a huge shining fan i loved the book so much and i haven't read dr sleep but like i was excited for this um i don't know t- tell me about i'm i'm talking too much tell me why Dr. So, Sleep. so here's the thing i i have i've heard i've read in reviews that people felt that it was an uneven film and i get i get where those people are coming from i did not feel it i didn't feel that it was uneven i felt that it was actually really well paced it is a it is a long movie and it is a slow burn mm-hmm. and it, and and but it ne- it almost needs to be and there, and there's i mean i would compare it to a hateful eight i think there's some fat that could easily be cut off but i think that I would never want it to lose its pace of the slow build um, because that is very in line with its, its predecessor, the shining, right? Mm -hmm. Arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest horror film of all time. Um, And, and I I think that I think, I think with these characters, they are drawn so subtly that, that you want to give them time to become who they are. Like, like I, I tend to think of, I, I, I'm a sucker for a movie that takes its time getting the character to the place where they are, mm-hmm. where the movie starts. The movie starts. This movie really starts. Really, like the 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 chunk of this movie, the heart of this movie, is when they return to the Overlook Hotel. That is when the movie, like, really, is. I think, I think it's that final showdown. It's it's Danny you know, Danny Torrance reckoning with the ghosts of his past, of his past. And, um, but we, we take a long, long time to get there. And I, and I love the journey to get there uh, because it is, I think that the, the thing that they did so well that I think that I know Stephen King was so happy about. And, you know, one of the reasons why he didn't, was not too hot on the shining adaptation was because of how much it cut out mm-hmm. the struggle of alcoholism. And yeah. that is largely what this movie is squarely about, is alcoholism. On the house. This was your brand, Jack Daniels. I used to see the bottles in our home, our real home before all this. I smelled one once. It smelled like something on fire, which I suppose it was. Is it still the focus of it? It is. It is so the focus of Doctor Sleep. Like it literally, the movie. I, I'd say it. It. It holds off several scares to give you some great character beats with the. So so okay for everybody who doesn't know what this movie's about, let me slow down. So this movie takes place. Well, really, it actually starts like maybe a month after the events of The Shining. Uh, the Shining, of course, being uh, the story of uh, Danny Torrance and Jack Torrance and Wendy Torrance, this, the, the Torrance family who are uh, Jack, the, the, pa- the patriarch, is asked to move into the Overlook Hotel and be its caretaker over a, over a winter. And the Overlook Hotel ends up having a ghostly power inside that feeds on Jack's alcoholism and his resentment of his family and turns him against his family and you know, in a very famous Jack Nicholson scene has him chasing his family throughout this hotel with an ax. And it's, it's horrifying. It's really a a very powerful movie. Um, This film picks up right after that. And is Danny, Danny, the son in the shining, you found out that he has a power called the shining um, or that he calls the shining that allows him to interact with the dead and allows him, allows him kind of psychic powers and, all these kind of, it's actually a very undefined power. Very undefined, yeah. But the beginning of Dr. Sleep is him learning how to use that power. And it takes him a long time. Like, he starts off on this journey when he's a kid, but then by the time he's like early 30s, he's he's just like his dad. He's alcoholic, fighting with mm-hmm. bar people, you know, waking up in rooms that he doesn't know who they belong to. and And then he goes on another journey of like trying to kick it again. And that's the journey that proves uh, to be successful. He finally does kick it, at least for a while. Um, and at that moment, he meets a young woman, a young, a young girl named Abra, who is, who is uh, in his new town that he's in, who also has The Shining. 
but has it stronger than he ever had it. And Abra is being pursued by this woman named Rose the Hat, played by Rebecca Ferguson in this movie. And Rebecca Ferguson, and she's basically a witch who pretty much, you know, kind of has the shining, but more so is kind of a shining cannibal. Like feeds mm-hmm. feeds on people yeah. who have the shining. So like, you know, puts them puts them in enough pain to where their shining turns into smoke and like sucks the smoke out of them. And um it's really becomes the movie becomes about grown up Danny Torrance and Abra defeating Rose the Hat. But what is so wonderful, like I said, is just the beats of character study and the beats like the the long journey that it takes Danny. It takes him over like it takes him about 40 years to really kick this habit and even when he's kicked it it's still not like it's he's just keeping it at bay you know mm-hmm. and you really I, I ewan mcgregor's performance is so good and it's so quiet and um yeah, I, th- I thought it was an, an interesting element of this movie is because if if you told me like hey like they're gonna do a sequel to the shining yeah incorporating footage from the shining and characters from from the kubrick version knowing how stephen king felt about it also it sounds like a really bad idea uh, but they they kind of pull it like they recast a bunch of roles like from the original act. I know I know Scatman yeah. Crothers character. Uh, they cast with somebody else. Um, I think Wendy. Oh, they found yeah. somebody to play Wendy. All of them. Which like why why do you think that that works when it really really shouldn't? So I think that that's actually that's actually something I want to bring up. I think that one of the cool things in the in the theme of talking about ghosts right um Shelley Duvall and Jack Nicholson's performance in that movie in The Shining are iconic you cannot you cannot get around the fact that that especially if you're dealing if this movie is is taking place in the Kubrick world which it is um yeah. you cannot get around who those people were and and the the what they brought to the screen um i think to Mike Flanagan's credit i think that what he decided to do was rather than do some de-aging bullshit use the the essence of the of the of the of the kind of film of the genre of the film to his advantage and say i just want people who fill out the essence of these characters i don't want carbon copies i'm not trying to make carbon copies because this is not you know the shining was i think the way i interpret it is the shining was very much seen through jack's perspective Mm-hmm. this is Danny's. So how did Danny see these kids? How did Danny see these people? And, and, and it works to that extent. Like, like Wendy is a much more grounded character in this movie than she is in the shining, right? The shining, she's kind of, she's kind of, you know, in a place that she's on the edge of madness from the beginning. Um, yeah. Here she is a much more, like you, you get to see her separate from Jack after they move on from Jack, and she's she's just a good mother, and she cares for her son, and they have a good relationship, and and it's a really cool thing. So I think that's part of it. And 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 you know, and and um, there are other characters that come up that I don't want to ruin anything for anybody who's seen it, uh, who he recasts, and it works. Like it all works because it's its own film, and it's and it's seen through a very different character's eyes. Yeah. Um, but what I love most about it, I think that he. I think Mike Flanagan knows how to film a a, a ghost story better than anyone else right now. I th- I really think that. I think that he just deals maybe maybe in America. I think I'm I'm pretty sure there's some Japanese filmmakers working right now who would <laughs> kick his ass. Um, but in terms of American filmmakers, just in terms of like the negative space and allowing mm-hmm. allowing for sound and for just a hint of images to do the work for you. Um, there are so many things that are just really powerful about this film um, and a sense of tension playing with those, with that iconography of, you know, who, who usually dies in this, in these films and stretching that out as long as you can. And, um, and just giving you well-rounded characters. Like, I think that that goes back to having such a great source material. Obviously this book, Dr. Sleep. I mean, that's, that's yeah. so Im- important. In a, I mean, a ghost story and and horror in general, I think is is where a lot of people lose it is is not having the grounding of of not knowing who your character is, yeah, um, and why you should care in the first place, right? Like something coming to kill you is only threatening if you care about what is going to die, <laughs> exactly, exactly, and why it's coming to kill you. You know, I think right. I think it's it's one thing just to have scares, but like 
I think that's one of the most, you know, Rebecca Ferguson in this movie is so good. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons she's so good is because she has so much material to work with. And you, you very quickly understand that for her character, this, this cannibalism is how she knows to survive. It's not yeah. about, you know, she, yes, she does absolutely have a sociopathic bent to her, but she is more just somebody who is afraid to die, who truly does not want to die. Such a gifted boy hiding his light under a bushel for so long. You could live a long, long time, live well too. Indulge yourself. No consequences, no hangovers. Eat well, live long. You must be lonely being the last one. I mean, the last one in the world. Sweetie, I'm not the last, far from it. I'm just the prettiest. Really is afraid of facing that, you know, just in, again, in line with the film, facing that inevitability of reconcil- reckoning, you know, and going back and, and, and facing up to the eventuality of anything. Um, and so she has, she's like, I'm going to, it is worth it to her to kill thousands, millions of people just in order to live a little longer. And um, that very much ties in with Danny's struggle, right? Of, of alcoholism, right? It, the idea that you are, it is worth it to you to destroy your life and other people's lives with alcohol yeah. in order to not have to face up to the pain that you can't reconcile. And right. so it, it's just a beautifully constructed film in that way. Like I said, a little long, not perfect. And the, the, the final showdowns at the overlook, you know, can sometimes feel for a movie that has really been so subtle with its Easter eggs. I think by the time yeah. you get back to the overlook, they they it is a little like oh my okay yeah we're back in the shining like but that is not a fault that like takes me out of it i really do love how it ends it's not it's not overdone it's just yeah i mean i, I think if i have one th- and again i haven't watched it i didn't know it went back to the overlook and i'm i'm super interested now oh, to you got to yeah get, get to the end um my my one problem with it com- compared to the first one is it seems more fantasy. Oh yeah, I agree. Right, it oh, does this this thing, and and Stephen King's son, uh, Joe Hill, wrote a book called Nosferatu. Yeah, I don't know if you read it. They turned it into a show with Zach Quinto, I think. Um, it's the same kind of thing. There's like there's a bevy of characters that have supernatural powers that are never explained. Right, they're just kind of evil and and introduced. And they they exist from the beginning almost like a Deus Ex Machina. Like there is no, there's nothing to them except that they are weird and they have, you know, they, they give them weird character traits and and they have these superpowers, um, and so you can kind of use them however you want. It, it's it's kept me from really, uh, just because The Shining itself is so straightforward as a ghost story. Yeah, and it's and it thematically it's so it's so on point and and never you know they don't introduce a random evil guy out of you know who shows up in a weird jacket and a weird car and like i'm weird and i'm here for you now uh, it's very much a, it's about the characters and it stays with the characters and it's it's them dealing with all the outward pressures and and dr sleep to me just seemed a little more i don't know it broadened the world maybe a little too much for no, me and and I, I i've heard that i've absolutely heard that 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 is a complete like that actually somebody tori said it to me our friend tori said he was like, you know, I, I loved it except for this goddamn, you know, knockoff Gambit from the X-Men character who's like just right. you know, running <laughs> around. And I was like, yeah, like I get it. I get that. Um, I, yeah. I think that he took a big swing, right? Because if you think about it structurally, in, in The Shining, it's the house, right? The house is, that, mm-hmm. is that, that energy that is looking to cannibalize on Danny's talent, his shining. In Doctor Sleep, it's a person. And, and I, and so it, it definitely does have a very different feel than the shining. It is not, it is not trap people in a house and, and chase them with their demons. It is, it is, you know, your demons have kind of splayed all over the world and they are slowly, but surely gathering speed and strength to come find you and make you pay. And yeah, and that is a very different type of movie. Um, You know, but but I I I I bought it. I bought it because, for the mere fact that we know so little to to the film's credit in The Shining and the book, we know so little about the actual lore of The Shining. Mm-hmm. 
that to me, it felt like, okay, there is room to build off of this into something a little more specific because what does it say? If the ghosts of the, of the Overlook are this powerful, what does that say about the world in which they're in? Right. Um, but again, yeah. I understand that criticism because it, it is a very, people, people who went, I think if people went into this movie, like they, they, you know, the marketing team had a choice here. They could either connect it to The Shining or not. And they chose to because why would you ever want to lose that brand recognition? Right. However, looking at the title of, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I just want to make sure I'm saying this right when I, when I look it up, but looking at the two third, the, the novel, uh, 2013 novel that he wrote that cover does not in any way let you know that it's a sequel to the shining like no. there's no reference to it at all it, it looks like an entirely different book and i think that that actually might be might have been the better way to push it um because i think i think the expectation that it's going to to somehow you know fulfill the the beats of the shining right. is an expect like and also because the shining there is no way you make a movie as good as the shining i'm sorry it's just not going to happen do you mean like it's just just in terms of like that movie is that's the, yeah. yeah i think i think that's that's the reticence is like not only does the shining not need a sequel was it not built for a sequel yes um yeah. but the, it's it's it seems like they're using it as marketing like like yeah. there's there's nothing that that says Dr. Sleep needs to exist. So it's either they're trying to do something really new uh, and let's see what they're, I, there, there is no way that you walk into Dr. Sleep gung-ho about it really. Yeah. It's more curiosity than anything. Like, okay, like the shining was great. Wonder what this is going to be. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that kept me from engaging with it on the level that I should have. So if, I'm going to go back and, yeah, and do it. If you can, if you can separate it from the shining, I think that you will yeah. have a movie that really does a lot of wonderful things. And that I, I did, I had to, I had to really get that idea out of my head. Yeah. I was like, this is not the shining. It is a very different yeah. film, but on its own, it really is. It's interesting. It's uh, my, my mom is, is a therapist. Yeah. Um, and she got her start. Uh, her specialty was working in, in ACOA, the adult children of alcoholics. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, you think about alcoholism as a problem and you think about the alcoholic as the, as the problem and the person who needs the help yeah. and all that stuff. You don't think about the people who live under the effect of no. an alcoholic and no. what that does and the children who have to grow up with alcoholics, Yes, uh, which is a whole other spectrum of trauma and of stuff to work through and, and as you get older and, and become an adult. So um, it sounds like this this gets into that it does i would say very well very well yeah so interesting check it out cool check dr. It out. sleep dr sleep i love it my my dinner just showed up Ooh. uh i don't know what, what do we got babe burritos yeah i got I some am burritos a. nick says hi hi bye she says hi back i, I hear that it's pretty i guess um well i guess we'll move on to mine talk to me then let me hear it. So, okay. So ghost stories. Uh, so, so recently I shared with you the, the book I'm writing, right? Yes, you did. Brilliant. And by the way, Alex, uh, for, for those of you listening, Alex Molo, great writer. Great writer. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Uh, we'll see. That's, it's been coming along. Um, but it, it's given me a way, you know, it was interesting. I, I, I showed you some pages and we had a conversation about it and you, you kind of brought up that my, my natural inclination in storytelling is to, to cover loss. Yeah. All the stories I do have, have something to do with a great, great loss. Um, so like the book I'm writing about, about someone whose wife dies and going, you know, searching for her soul basically. Um, so that, that's kind of where my, emotional creative mind goes when yeah. it comes to ghost stories is like that that's what really turns me on is like what a ghost represents is is something that you had that went away and it's it's coping with with not being able to get at something that you had and understanding it and coming to a conclusion with it right coming coming to a reality where it doesn't matter where it's always going to be with you um but more you know not like my favorite ghost stories are not the ones where there's shit popping out at you and, and trying to kill you. 
Um, so that being said, my selection, uh, I saw this movie when it came out uh, a couple years ago, not knowing much about it, and I was just wrapped up in it. Yeah. Um, I've seen it twice, once then and once now watching it for this. Uh, since I watched it the first time, I remember, I just remembered it, yeah. like emotionally what it carried with me and, and, and visually and just something about it really, really resonated with who I am. Yeah. And it's pretty obvious okay. uh, given, given the title. But uh, so it starts out, there are two people on a couch, uh, husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, you don't know. Um, it opens up, we're in square aspect ratio and the woman, they're laughing with each other and she just says, Why are you laughing? I'm so scared. Why? I don't know. Don't be scared. Uh, quote pops up. Whatever hour you were there was a door shutting. Virginia Woolf, a haunted house. That's probably why it was in my head. <laughs> Virginia Woolf. Uh, it's a quote from a haunted house. Uh, and then it goes back to them on the couch. And she starts talking about how when she was a little girl, she would write notes to herself and leave them all over the place so that she could find them again. And when she found them, it would be like finding a piece of herself uh, and reconnecting with with a, her past self, reconnecting with something she thought wasn't around anymore. Um, it goes on for a while. These are very long shots. Uh, that just sit on these actors being with each other, curled up in bed, slow, slow. I, I, I believe, are, let me uh, ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Are these pretty much the only two actors in the film? Pretty much. Is it a, go- and, a ghost story? Yeah. Yep. A ghost story. Yeah. What is it you like about this house so much? Seriously. History? What does that mean? Hi, we've got history. Not as much as you think. The film is a ghost story. So, so yeah, <laughs> talk to me about it. Because I actually have so not Casey Affleck. So you haven't seen it. I have not seen it yet. Okay. So um, how do you explain this movie? Uh, okay. So a ghost story for context uh, is directed by David Lowry, who uh, his first uh, debut, fe- not his first feature, but his, his breakout feature was a film called Ain't Them Body Saints. Uh, with the same two actors who are in this movie, Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara. Um, then he, off the success of that, he went and he made Pete's Dragon for yes. Disney, right? So what happens with directors when they make a big hit, an indie hit, they get approached to do bigger things. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. So he flew to New Zealand or Australia or something to go make, make Pete's Dragon big money, big schedule, Big everything, Disney, you know, whatever. Um, so he was wrapping up post production on this thing, completely exhausted. And this is a guy; he's from Texas. He's like kind of the artsy type, you know, um, you know, cinephile, whatever. Uh, really, just wants an experience to kind of ground him again yeah. after this whole big. Th- Not that it went bad; the movie turned out well. You know, it wasn't like a bad experience, but he wanted to do something so. Um, he had an idea for this this thing. Um, I was reading about it based on something that he was having a fight with his wife about moving back to Texas, and he realized that that he's so he he started wondering why he's so connected to physical spaces. Right, he wanted to move back there because he missed it, um, and he started wondering about it, and it was kind of mixed with an anxiety about the world ending and and climate change and something. I don't know. Wow. Um, so he came up with this idea for a ghost story. Uh, it, super simple premise where. It's a couple living in a house and the guy dies. He just gets into a car accident right out right out front and dies and becomes kind of trapped in this house and, and spends the whole movie under basically a bed sheet with eyes cut out, hmm. representing him just being there. It's never, he doesn't move very quickly. He just stands there. There's no aggressiveness to it. He's not, it's not really a physical presence. It's like an emotional presence. He's just there in this house. So would you um, would you even say that this is like a horror movie as much as it's a supernatural? This is movie? not a horror movie. Wow. This is not. It's it's an existential horror movie, uh, in in the sense that it gets you thinking about everything, <laughs> mm. about about where you are and who you're with and where you're going. Basically, over the course of the film, so he dies. You, you spend more time. She's in the house. 
you know, there, there's an incredible scene as an actor. I think you're, you're going to really appreciate what Rooney Mara does. In oh, this I always movie. do. Always do. Um, there's one thing and, and she didn't have to do it. I think if I, in reading about it, you know, she didn't have to do this, but, uh, the real estate agent brings over like a, I'm sorry, your husband died pie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know, like, a, oh, I left this for you. Um, and again, this movie is is all very, very long takes. It just sits there. It just lets you sit there and watch. Um, and so she picks up this pie. You know, she comes in the door, puts her bags down, whatever, sees the pie, picks up a fork, kind of starts to go at it, starts to go at it more, sits down on the floor and eats the entire pie in one sitting and then goes and throws up. Like she actually did this just like letting it, just letting it go deeper and deeper and deeper and just desperately struggling, trying to get this food to give her what she was looking for. Like any kind of, of relief to the, the trauma she was facing to the, you know, wow. The grief she was struggling with. Uh, And he's standing there in the bed sheet in the background watching as this happens. Um, You know, not trying to interact, just, observing and what starts to happen is time starts to become a little bit fractured you know not in terms of jumping back and forth but in terms of all of a sudden the camera will cut around the corner and it'll be a week later and then it'll cut and it'll be two years later wow um and you watch she brings somebody home after a while and and he kind of the the spirit that he is kind of lashes out you know something falls off a shelf but that's it that's all that happens um, and then she packs up, she moves on, a new family comes in, he deals with them. Before she moves out of the house, she writes on a little piece of paper, sticks it in the wall and paints over it. And he spends the whole movie as this ghost. The only thing he does, even as time passes, is kneel down and scrape at it, mm-hmm. trying to get to it, um, just to try to get to to her and that can, and what this means that he's been separated from her and and she's gone and and he stays in the house and then the house gets demolished uh near the end and and the city grows up around him and the music i mean the music's amazing um and it all loops back to the beginning again the whole universe kind of resets and loops back it's just it's a very very uh it's heady um it's it's artful it's stylish uh it's it very low budget very like you can tell that that it's a it's a work of uh, a work of love, a work of passion. Yeah. Um, and it's just one of those things, man. That just leaves you thinking. You know, it just leaves you in this emotional like swamp where you don't know who you are anymore after you've after you've watched it. And yeah, so that that to me makes it a successful ghost story. In in that that's that's what you're supposed to be thinking about, right? Yeah. No, it's. It, <laughs> I love that. I think that's so fucking cool. And I, and I, I just love, I love anybody who's trying to push the form. Like I'm, I even looked at his, I, I, I was reading uh, a review. I just went and like kind of scanned a review of his, um, his Pete's dragon. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, and they're saying that he brought something new to, you know, he didn't just do the Disney movie that he actually, you know, right. Tried to push the, and I think that that's what it takes. And, and especially in a ghost story where, you know, yeah, you could go for the jump scares, you could go for this, but you're, you're talking about somebody who's like, no, let me do an examination of what it means to, to yeah. lose and what it means to be lost. Completely. And it, it was interesting as I'm watching it, trying to notice the feeling that it gives you, right? Because there's certain things that, are, that a ghost movie, a horror movie even does, right? There's, yeah. there's like a, you get that, anxiety of knowing what's something's going to happen you know that there it's the whole idea that right in front of you it is not what it seems yep um and he does that you know that there is there is that horror it's just approached from a completely i want to say like humanistic literary kind of perspective where it's it's the dread of eternity it's like you're watching this thing just stand in this house as an echo as and and understanding that he can't go anywhere right that that this casual every you know everybody's got it it's this this relationship where you love this person but you have problems and you're making plans and life's going on and then to suddenly just be ripped out of it but left in it 
is yep. just that it's like a hollow feeling that you get. It's really, um, it's, it's not a fun movie to watch. No, I would imagine not. <laughs> I would imagine this is actually a pretty decent it's, Yeah, hard it is. So, you can write a book, but the pages will burn. You can sing a song and pass it down. You can write a play and hope that folks will remember it. Keep performing it. You can build your dream house. But ultimately, none of that matters any more than digging your fingers into the ground to bury a fence post or... or fucking. Which I guess is just about the same thing. It's hard. It's hard. If you're willing to get on its level, you could also, you know, it could also put you to sleep or, or make you go, huh, whatever. Yeah. Um, depends on who you are and, and what you like. Uh, but I know f- for me, you know, trying to engage scene by scene and, and break it down and feel what, what they're trying to get. I just, there's such a connection to it that I have. I love it. Um, so a ghost story, David Lowry, please watch it. Uh, like I said, the, the performances are amazing. I'm the old- music is amazing. I'm also looking and seeing that he is directing the new Peter Pan and Wendy. He is. Yeah. So back to Disney, back to Disney. Um, And that's always a good sign when they bring you back. Um, It is. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous about Peter Pan, man. I there, they've never made a a good Peter Pan movie. Think about how many people have tried. I'm going, right. How many times have they done? Why would you say that to me? Why would you say that to me? (laughs) Why would you say that to me? Okay. since, Since hook. Thank you. They've tried. Peter Pan is one of those those things, right? It's in the public domain, so yes. whoever can do whatever with it. And they think, oh, well, everyone knows Peter Pan, so we should we'll do a new take on it, right? Um, and they keep trying. <laughs> there was the one there was Pan, and then there was Peter Pan. I, I don't know. I can't even keep track of them. There's the one Hugh Jackman was was Captain Hook. Uh, and then the guy who did Beast of the Southern Wild just came out with Wendy, yeah. trying to put his his spin on it, his kind of artsy like it's about trying to hang on to childhood, you know, give give power to youth, kind of whatever. Where the pirates are just people, and um, so I I I worry every time a, a Peter Pan movie is going to come out because I I just think that there's a disconnect. Well, I think I think the I think that if you do this right, if you do it right, what 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 makes a Peter Pan movie great? I think that people get very, very bogged down in the fantasy of it, very or very bogged down in the style of it, right? What is your, what is your hook gonna look like? What is your Peter Pan gonna look like? All these things, and I think that to me, what makes the Peter Pan story so wonderful is that idea of. And it's funny, we just talk about loss, but that idea of childhood found again, right? Mm-hmm. You have in, in Wendy, you have a, a young woman who, you know, their her father is trying to for her father and mother trying to force her to grow up. She's not ready to grow up. And Peter Pan is literally the personification of don't ever grow up. Don't ever grow up. You know what I mean? And, and rebel and, and live this adventure. And, I think that that is why Hook was so, to me, is so wonderful. And I know other people disagree with me, but that absolutely Hook is that film. I mean, it, it, it inverts, it inverts the Peter Pan story a little bit, right? It, 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 yeah. it makes what Peter Pan represents something, uh, you know, hopeful Spielbergian. <laughs> but I think, I think that's kind of what, I think any good Peter Pan story is a story that I, I think t- to be honest with you, I think Peter the success of the Peter Pan story depends on how you draw Wendy. Cause because and, and also how you like I think that there is a like so many of these Peter Pan movies like I, I that I've seen have just tried to like do, you know, make this into like some prestige film and and stuff. Peter Pan is like he's a little anarchist. Like he's crazy. Do you mean he's oh, right? Like what does it represent? Like, what is the message it's, of Peter Pan? It's the why. It's like don't. It's it's the imagination. It's the everything is possible. Its rules don't apply, right? Right. Well, that's why Hook worked because the message of Hook is like you're gonna grow up and that's okay as long as you keep your little spark exactly. and and that's like that's that's the message of Hook. But the message of Peter Pan is like 
get away from the adults. <laughs> well, but no, wait, what, what the message of Peter, because at the end of the day, Wendy returns back to London, right? Right. To me, a Peter, I think the thing that they miss in Peter Pan is that Peter Pan doesn't go with her. No, it's Peter Pan is not a perfect character. Peter Pan, like, mm-hmm. like, especially in today's context, Peter Pan is actually like, like it's almost like he and hook are actually on kind of the same. If I'm telling, yeah. if I'm telling the Peter Pan movie, I'm telling it through Wendy's eyes because Peter Pan and hook are on the same wavelength of like, like, yeah, hook is absolutely on the extreme side of this. But Peter Pan's whole thing is like, like, no, you you shouldn't have to grow up sooner than you want to, which is Hook's thing. But Peter Pan at the same time is like, you can't be a kid forever. That's the that's the the the, the tragedy of Peter Pan. That's the heart of it. Is like yeah. Wendy chooses to go grow up, and so it it has to be this choice, right? Of of yeah of yeah, you could live as a kid forever, or you you need to understand that like yeah, you're gonna grow up, like you will. And, and, and facing what that actually means. And, and that goes back to, you know, the, the, you know, finding Neverland, which I think is such a beautiful movie. Um, that, that idea of like trying to protect childhood because in adulthood, what does adulthood bring is disease and yeah. death and an understanding of the world. And Wendy having to make that choice of, yeah, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not ever going to become a Captain Hook, but I can't be a Peter Pan forever either. I have to, at right. some point, grow up. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do, but I, th- I think that's, I, I trust, I trust it in this guy's hands so do I. though. Yeah. It's from what you're telling me. It sounds like, uh, He's one, of our, one of our most talented directors right now that we've got. Very excited for it. Very excited. Yeah. Well that, all right then. Ghost story. Dr. Sleep. Ghost story. Love it. Uh, let us, let us know what you think. It should how's, be. Our, how's our Twitter been doing? I mean, I have not been on the Twitter actually. So I'm pretty sure our Twitter is dormant. So let me, You've been off Twitter. I've been off, I've been off social media since yeah. the insurrection. Yeah. I've not checked once. So, wow. you know, guys, yeah, let me, you know, tweet at me. And as soon as I, as soon as I, uh, get back on that, that Twitter, I will. Next Twitter, a ghost story. Next Twitter, a ghost story, but guys stay safe. Uh, you know, if we don't talk to you before the inauguration, happy inauguration day. Uh, you know, don't, don't overrun the Capitol. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Get some champagne. Yeah. Sit back and, and just sit back and, and enjoy it. Enjoy. All right, y'all. <laughs> Peace. Bye. Little Justice. Little Justice. Little Justice. Fuck yeah. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.